0: American half pound, pure beef patty, lettuce, tomato, singles re- going steady.
1: Welcome to Singles Going Steady, the podcast dedicated to exploring great singles with a particular eye to the punk, new wave, and DIY eras of the last century. I'm Steve McGowan.
2: And I'm Adrian Lee Madoc. We are in a band, The Beef People, who released a single in 1986 on our own label, Zub Records. But we're also record collectors and passionate especially about the expression of pop music perfection that is the single recording. Exploring the mystery of what makes for a great single is what propelled us to begin this podcast. Lee? Yeah.
1: Is that the Welsh part that you were talking about? Uh, Maybe. Um, hmm. I thought you were like secretly Welsh.
2: Well, yeah, you you tend to keep that secret.
1: Anyway, before we get derailed about Wales, let's talk about today's single. Which Um, is a whale of a single. It is a whale of a single. Ah, Oh, boy, the hits just keep on coming. This is um, a really uh, iconoclastic single, I think. It's... uh, the band from Athens, Georgia, the band, R.E.M., it's their very first single. It was released in 1981 on Hibtone Records, a little Atlanta independent label, and it is Radio Free Europe, backed with Sitting Still.
2: Yes, this is pre-IRS Records, pre-Murmur, uh, independent single uh, that, that, that made a real splash, and, and by being a conoclastic, I think it, it sort of shattered what was going on. It, it was not like anything else that was out at that time.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. The, the, the music of R.E.M. at the time, um, I think I would describe it as kind of a revved up sort of uh, velvet underground. Um, if you took the slower, more melodic Lou Reed type songs, you know, Femme Fatale or Pale Blue Eyes, and you revved them up.
2: And, and added a Rick.
1: Yes, absolutely, and kind of with that little birdsian, yes, Roger McGuinn thing that Pete Buck does. The arpeggiated guitar is is really something, and and of course the inscrutable <laughs> lyrics.
2: Yeah, we, uh, when we were talking about what songs we were going to select, I I was remembering a time that we were at a grocery store. <laughs> And there was, in the days before the internet, if you wanted to learn about lyrics, you had the hope they would be printed in something like a lyric magazine. Right. See, kids, there were these things called magazines (laughs) that were at pages, and uh, you would purchase them at a newsstand, or in this case, a grocery store. This was like popular lyrics or something, so this Mm -hmm. was right on the heels of murmur coming out. Right. So we'd already had in heavy rotation Radio Free Europe since then hip tone single yes. um so it's like oh my gosh it's in here look in here and uh, just being gobsmacked mm-hmm. by what the lyrics were because we had no idea it was yeah. um
1: the ones you made up in your head were much better
2: yeah well you know they were your own <laughs>
1: yeah exactly i mean it's a good point though back in the uh, 80s when there was really no internet um you couldn't just dial up well how do i play this song you know uh, how what are the lyrics to this song yeah. uh, you know what's that second verse you had to figure it out on your own and uh, that kind of helped us uh, learn how to play and learn how to sing and learn how to write lyrics in, in our <laughs> own individual yes. style because uh, yeah. you,
2: you had no idea if it was right except as uh, as your ear went and you got as close as you could
1: mm-hmm. but this is a, a pretty pretty amazing single it's got that real dark kind of uh, mystic um southern you can hear the uh the kudzu growing on it sort of sound
2: yeah kudzu i guess is sort of a leitmotif later appearing on uh, the cover of murmur
1: Uh so let's listen to a little bit of the a side of the single which is radio free europe it was uh recorded with mitch easter In at the drive-in studio, we're hoping to talk to Mitch in the future. Drive-ins
2: in Winston-Salem, North Carolina,
1: at the time. And uh, this is Radio for Europe. REM, the hip tone (laughs) single,
0: 1981.
2: mind that is the version of the song that that runs through my head yes and and and
1: not the re-recorded one that they did for irs which which is slower yeah
2: yeah it just didn't have the the sort of immediacy Mm -hmm. and the the freshness
1: yeah i mean you can you can hear them just jumping around in the studio you know Uh, i think the band too was unhappy with the re-recording of it i think First they were unhappy with the sound of the single, and then they were unhappy with the re-recording, and they realized that the the single was better.
2: Yeah, and so what makes that single great, do you think?
1: Well, you've got kind of a mysterious um, pop edge to it. You know, the the singing, Stipe singing is amazing. Um, You can't really figure out what he's talking about. Um, The cool uh, chiming Rick guitar and the Rick bass and, it, and Bill Berry's drumming is, is really on it.
2: Yeah. And there just was nothing like that at the time. And, of course, it no. sort of gave, um, you know, start to, you know, a thousand uh, flowers bloomed. Um, Absolutely.
1: A lot and, and of wannabes. Exactly. Including, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff uh, Sven and I were trying to write definitely had an REM yeah, edge to it. You know, once you learned how to pick the guitar a little bit like... Uh, like, like Pete Buck, you know, you, you were you were in, you know, in the club, and we wrote a lot of um, fake REM songs. Luckily, most of them didn't make it through. <laughs>
2: um, well, and they, you were talking about the energy, and I think maybe folks those early days of REM where they were quite energetic, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the, the, we were just the last, um, you know, talking about. Uh, replacements and, and mm-hmm. sort of coming out of hardcore. This is sort of like a Paisley hardcore. Right. I right yeah. Yeah, but then it's it's fast and it's energetic mm-hmm. and it just jumps.
1: Yeah. And it's funny talking about the replacements because they were always so jealous of R. E. M. and they're uh their manager Peter Jesperson actually went and worked with REM for a while, and they never forgave him for that. And they always looked at their career in the in the in the, in the through the lens of what REM was doing, you know. And REM was always behaving and and, and playing the game, and the replacements were you know getting drunk all the time. But um, energy, this is what the band was about back back then. Um, I used to go see them quite a bit. They there was a period there when I was uh, underage and going to shows because I had my fake ID and pretty much any show I'd go to in Athens or in Atlanta REM would be opening and uh, they 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 were real road warriors, they played a lot and uh, they were a different band then. they were really just a blur of energy, Stipe would be a whirling dervish and Pete Buck would jump around and uh, Mike Mills would jump around and they they really brought it and it was uh it was energy was the thing. It was,
2: And they played up in, in North Carolina quite frequently. Yes. And, and, you know, the, there was always on a, the telephone poles mm-hmm. a sign for R.E.M. coming.
1: Right. Yes. So this is one of those singles that has a, uh, an exceptional B-side, too, which is almost as good as the A-side. It's a song called Sitting Still that was also um, I think they re- remixed this version of it or it was redone on the first record. On that Um, first album. Yeah, right. And um, let's listen to a little bit of uh, R.E.M. doing Sitting Still, the B-side of the single.
2: think it makes this a great single. Um we were talking about how good sitting still is, but that was unusual that you had this the single with two incredibly um sort of unique for the time um, songs that were both so strong. Yeah, it m- could have been melodic, a double A side. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, and it, it really um, made a splash um, mm-hmm. turned people's heads.
1: Yeah, right, Sitting still uh, definitely is kind of a stomper at the end. It starts off a little bit quiet and then uh, really kind of kicks in. Um, again, just high energy, you know, without distorted guitars. Um, they didn't have to go to the the big loud sound they just they just crank it out you know using uh using uh vendor amps
2: <laughs> and the cover um you know so many uh musicians sort of are art school uh dropouts Wannabee. or art school passers through <laughs> yes and um the cover certainly shows that heritage the mm-hmm. michael stipe photograph mm-hmm. Um, you know it, it suits the, the style of the music it suits the sound it adds to the mystique it, it certainly they support each
1: other speaking of Michael Stipe um, I, I have to mention the time that we saw him in Greenville um, REM actually played the local club the Ups Club and uh, it was right before they were hitting it big it was the week that uh, Wolves Lower was the flexi disc on trouser press magazine, so if if you remember that, that was always a big deal. Who was on the Flexi disc?
2: We'll have to talk about a Flexi disc yes. <laughs> cause one of the singles that we'll go steady with
1: and uh, so they were playing at the Ups club, and uh, there was this big school bus came in with all these people from Athens and uh, uh, but because
2: it's about an hour and a half away. yeah, so, you know, we got there early,
1: and it. uh in the side room at, at the Ups Club was kind of like a big cafeteria and uh, Michael was sitting there all by himself and he had like 15 sweaters on and uh, he, of course, he was reading a copy of Naked Lunch. <laughs>
2: As you do. <laughs> yes.
1: And so my friends, uh, Joey and Stuart, uh, um, were making fun of him the whole time, of course, and uh, they went backstage while I was with them and uh, we drank all their beer backstage so it was a good night, <laughs> and uh, Pete Buck kicked the monitor over, and he said that uh, that that they couldn't put up with these conditions, and unfortunately, he didn't realize that the uh, sound guy Sammy Sammy Galloway uh, always traveled with a pistol in his back pocket. Uh, this is Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> But luckily, uh, Pete seemed to make it out alive. I don't know. Maybe they wrote a check or something. I don't know. But they—they they were still good. They were—they were a great band. Um, we had a great time, and their beer was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, REM, Radio for Europe, Sitting Still. Back when they were still indie, 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 they hadn't uh, gone up to the big leagues yet. But you could tell they were going.
2: Yeah, and they—they changed the game to use a bad sports yes. analogy mm-hmm. but they, they really did bring something to um every person that had a guitar yes you know it tried to
1: emulate something about them something about mm-hmm. REM yeah and, and that's not a bad thing no um so do we have any recommendations
2: um do you? <laughs>
1: um, I would like to talk about a book that I just finished um, by a local writer, um, by um, Florence Dore. I think so. I think that's how you say her name. D-O-R-E. She's a professor at the Chapel Hill at UNC, an English professor, and she's written a really interesting book about... Uh, the juxtaposition of early rock and roll and Southern literature. It's called novel sounds, Southern fiction and the age of rock and roll. And it is kind of a academic book, but it's, it's very interesting. Um, I would recommend it to anybody who's, um, interested in things like Faulkner or Flannery O'Connor or, and you ought to be, or Lead Belly or, and you uh, ought to be. Yes. So, uh, it's it's well done and I, i'm hoping we uh we have spoken with her i'm hoping that we'll have yeah, her on the show
2: maybe we we'll, we'll, we'll see her uh on the uh podcast so fingers crossed
1: that's one of my recommendations do you have any
2: and i guess i ha- sort of have a related one which is uh, we we saw her at a reading of uh, for the book mm-hmm. on the roof of the durham hotel um here in uh Durham, North Carolina. Oh, I didn't, so I didn't there, mention
1: who she was married to either. Oh,
2: well, let's not. <laughs> a, a woman does not need to have her credibility wow. affirmed by uh, her association. I, I didn't mean it that way. Especially a scholar, right? Okay, yes. So... Okay, we'll mention that later <laughs> um, but the, uh, the rooftop at at Durham Hotel is just spectacular view yes. and great food and and we won't mention the chef and her association <laughs> to music but maybe later
1: but I did have maybe the best hot dog I've ever eaten up there uh, it was it was wonderful and uh, just a great place to see the city uh, recommend it highly
2: so you got a place and a person and some things all kind of in two recommendations
1: and we didn't talk about who we, and you got
2: some proselytizing uh, yes. me.
1: <laughs> a little uh spleen venting exactly and uh we didn't talk about who we thought might cover this oh, song oh man that's uh
2: well you know i think bet midler would do just yeah. an astounding job
1: now, I think I read somewhere. That I'm just going order. to ignore that completely. <laughs>
2: in I, I, Legion, I, I, yeah. I, I, everyone I recommend Legion.
1: I think I remember reading that um, Scott Miller of Game Theory actually did a cover of uh, Radio for Europe. Oh, that would be nice. Somehow, P. Buck gave him the lyrics or something, so he would <laughs> he would sing it with the, the Here, proper lyrics. Here, it's in lyrics. this magazine. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Ep- <laughs> volume 6. And
1: uh, they, they're one of our favorite bands, and... Uh, I would have lo- loved to hear that. I mean, I never heard that cover. But uh, yeah, Scott Miller and Game Theory is somebody we'll probably talk about in the uh, future. So that's it for today. Uh, Singles Going Steady, number 009, REM, Radio Free Europe, and Sitting Still, Hib Tone Records, 1981. We appreciate you listening. My name's Steve.
2: And I'm Adrian.
1: Goodbye. Bye.